You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. All right. Hey, Saints and Aints. Uh, this is Kyle Worley. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't get through it. You can't do that. I was going to stop you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm spoiling the guest. If you haven't seen it on social media, this is Kyle Worley. I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin and JT English. And today we are joined by the one, the only, the speaker, author, poet, teacher, hip-hop artist, podcast host, Jackie, not Jackie, but Jackie Hill Perry. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Oh, Saints. my gosh. With that, <laughs> I, was trying to, I, I was trying to get the juice going, and you just came in, like, so chill about it. No, did it was, you? I loved how you articulated it. It was very Kyle-like. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Saints and Aints. It, was, it had a bounce to it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that not how I'm, I'm not supposed it's to not say it like thing. that? Hey, hey, no, hey, you're not supposed to say it. Oh, okay, got it. It's not say it like that. It's don't say it. <laughs> that was the whole gimmick of the introduction was that got maybe it. then the audience is like, well, oh, that's not, you, you're not supposed to say that. I'm supposed to wow. say something, you know, this is Kyle Worley, you know, whatever. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our guest, Jackie Hill Perry. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. We're glad to have you. Um, and, uh, you know, I think one of the things I just want to start with is what I was saying before the show, which is that uh, I was talking, I was asking you because uh, I, I didn't know and I didn't want to get it wrong the whole episode. But I, I asked you, do I call you Jackie or do I just call you Jackie Hill Perry? Because nobody ever tells me they're reading a book by Jackie Perry. Nobody ever tells me they're, they went and heard a conference and Jackie spoke at it. It's always Jackie Hill Perry. Like yeah. one flowing statement, you know? That's become my first name. When in reality, my actual name is Jacqueline. And so. Whoa. That's is this breaking question. news? Is this breaking news? <laughs> <laughs> I think the assumption is if you're a Jackie, that you have to be a Jacqueline secretly, right? Huh. No. Did people ever call you Jacqueline? Never. Okay. Never. No, my family called me Jack Jack, and then that became Jackie, and now it's Jackie Hill Perry. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Well, there we go. Wow. Yeah, have we ever talked to... We've got, yeah, we, we have Jennifer Jennifer Wilkin and Jacqueline Perry on the show today. <laughs> have we ever talked about people's middle names? Yeah, did you, have we talked about this in the podcast? Yeah. Oh, on middle names? Uh, my middle name, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed by my middle name, honestly. Well, then you go first. Why is that embarrassing? My middle name is Grayson. I mean, I don't want to offend any Graysons out there. So if you're listening and you're a Grayson, this is not, this is my own insecurity. <laughs> It's not something for you. This is my insecurity. I've always felt like Grayson is the name of the annoying fat kid in your elementary class. Kyle, I'd be more concerned your mom is listening right now while you're dogging on the name she chose for you. Are you I just worried about like, all the Graysons out here? It's like, your mom and dad listen to this, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe um, they don't. That's a, that's a good point. Right, not uh, anymore. I love my middle name. Thank you, mom, for honoring me with it. Um, JT, what's your middle name? Thomas. So yeah, John know, Thomas yeah. English the third. Oh gosh. And my my little man Thomas, who turned seven in two weeks, is John Thomas English the fourth. We call him Quacho around here. Are you? No, I've been lobbying. I wanted you to, and you told me you wouldn't call him that. You robbed well, him. Well, it didn't make se- it didn't make sense when he was two or three. When he's seven, I feel like it makes a little more sense. I, I have a question. At what point, like at what generation, does it become like just like the British? I don't know. That's on you're him. like it's the like fourth, he, the fifth. He gets to decide. If we get to 16, I'll consider it a job well done. <laughs> oh, golly. <laughs> Jen, are you uh, going to disclose your middle name here? So I changed it when I got married to my maiden name, which is Maloney. 
but my given when I was born, my mom gave me her sister's name, which is Jean. And so then she called me Jennifer Jean the Jelly Bean for much of my <laughs> wow early <laughs> upbringing, which probably explains a lot. Did you like? Did you like that? No. Okay. I did not not welcome it. Got it. Um, Well, we are not talking about middle names today, but I do have another name. Jackie didn't tell us hers. Isn't it Hill? No, that's Uh, her maiden name. That's her maiden name. Oh. It's Elaine. 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 Yeah. I just have the oldest name for somebody born in 1989. (laughs) Like, it's just like, man, you gave me such a classic antique name, mom. So, man. Okay, so your 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 Jacqueline Elaine Hill, Perry. Jacqueline we're Elaine gonna, Hill Perry. Okay. We're gonna make that happen. Wow. Okay, man. The publisher have to have to build bigger books. <laughs> I guess so. Well, uh, we here's talking about books. We got the name of another book here, which is Holier Than Thou, which is Jackie's most recent book. Jackie, tell us real quick, what's the elevator pitch? When people have been like, "Why did you write this book? What is it? What's it about? Why did you write it? What, yeah. What's going on with it?" My argument really is that God's holiness is an incentive for our faith, um, and and kind of the the sentence I give that helps to like mm. build that out is if God is holy. That means he can't sin. If God can't sin, that means he can't sin against me. If God can't sin against me, doesn't that make him the most trustworthy being there is? Um, Just because I think one aspect of the reason why people uh, don't trust God or have some level of unbelief is that there's some cynicism at the bottom where you really don't think that he's as good as he's revealed himself to be. Mm -hmm. And so the book is just really explaining and proving that, no, like he is that awesome. Yeah. And. (laughs) Like, oh, go ahead, Jen. Oh, I was going to say that's one of the things we've been trying to train in in the Bible study at the at the village is that when you're reading the scriptures, in particular, if you hit that shocking passage where you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with this, that the starting point is not to say, "Is God good?" The question, the starting point is to say, "If God is good, then how is this?" Mm an expression of his goodness. So I love that you started, that you tie holiness to goodness, because I think that that's the place where people doubt. They're wondering, Mm -hmm. you know, is he really for me? Mm -hmm. Or uh, are holiness and goodness, like, are those synonyms? It it could be. I think if goodness is considered moral, then Mm -hmm. yes. But I I know it also has like some essence of like benevolence to it, like being good towards somebody. So... Yeah. Did you, why did, why did you write the book? Did you feel like, okay, like you're making the argument, but why make the argument? For myself, primarily. Like I was, Mm -hmm. so I read um, Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it really got to me how when I read the book, I didn't just learn stuff, but my affections were engaged. Where Mm -hmm. it made me not just know, but want God. And Mm -hmm. so to me, it was like, man, I want to create a resource for myself first and then for the church that does the same, that teaches people about the nature of God in such a way where they don't just learn a bunch of cute stuff, but it engages their affections so that they, you know, they know them and they want them and they go after them because of that. And so it was just a really big excuse to have a real long devotional uh, that ended up being published. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way to write a book, I think. It is, it is. What were the most helpful resources to you when you were writing the book? Because there's so much good stuff out there on the holiness of God. Yeah, yeah I think I asked you for a few, but uh, mm-hmm. Tozer, 
absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the one I was most influenced by was Stephen Charnock. Yeah. The, uh, it's something existing, essential attributes of God. Something is big. That, it's that right thing. there on the top shelf of my bookshelf, the existence and attributes you know, of God. That's an American flag. <laughs> oh, yeah, we see it up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that book influenced me the most, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Really? Um, some, Yeah, because... I like people who communicate well, right? Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just what he said. It was how he said it. Like, mm-hmm. even when he was talking about God's holiness and its relationship to the law, he was he was just, like, making it so pretty. Like, you know, the law is good because the lawgiver is light, and this light beams forth from his presence. And I'm just like, man, like, that's real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Author Pink, R.C. Sproul, all those all those people. Hey, Jen, hang on. I got to stop in for a second. So Jen, you're going to love this because you, Jen's the the person who turned me on to pink and the attributes of God. I, uh, through all my seminary education, I just had, I mean, I knew who he was. I just had never spent time with him. So Jen, we, we introduced uh, an article that we have in, in, in the Storyline Institute a few, uh, I mean, this is three, four months ago now. Last night was our last night for the Storyline Institute. And we kind of do a a testimony session and Jen, so somebody, I just wanted to, I was going to tell you just, I was going to text you or call you, but here we are talking about the attributes of God and, and pink. And somebody stood up and said, it was reading pink and the attributes of God that saved my life is what she mm-hmm. said. Oh my gosh. She had lost a spouse. Uh, she was walking through a season of heart heartache and trial, stepped into the Institute. And for her, and I think, I think Jackie just tied this into your book. I mean, something, if I was going to, if I had one message for Christians that are living today, mm-hmm. that the best news in Christianity isn't just what God does, but who he is. Who he is. Yeah. And, yeah who he is. And so we want to talk about what God does. He creates, he sustains, he perseveres, he saves, he resurrects, he restores, he glorifies. All of that is great, but he only can do those things if he is holy, if he is good, if he is set apart, if he is omnipresent. So like at the essence of Christianity, isn't just what God does or it's who he is because that's what enables him or, or, or sustains what he does. And so this woman last night, she, she lives just a few blocks away and she lost a spouse. They were baptized at Storyline a couple years ago. And she got up and said it was Pink who, I mean, of course, God saved her life. But she said, yeah. knowing who God was is what wow. is what made me and helped me get through the hardest season of my life. I thought you'd be encouraged by that. That's cool. I love that. Well, and I don't know, Jackie, if you're here, I would imagine you're hearing this too, because like the writing that I've done on the attributes, that was to me a surprise was how many people mm. said, I was in the dark night of the soul. And mm. um, I think we forget I know you you wrote on this. Like when you turn your eyes upward, that's when things start to to write write themselves. It does everything. It it, it really it, it renews your mind. It mm-hmm. softens your heart, and I think it just gives you context for faith because I'm believing and trusting a person, and so mm-hmm. to know and understand this person helps me to trust this. Person. I, I think one of the, the reasons why we have difficulty trusting people is because we know that people are sinful. And so imagine mm-hmm. then a being that isn't <laughs> like he, he deserves absolute trust, not only because he commanded it, but also because he is worthy of it. And so I, th- mm-hmm. I, I just think studying and knowing the nature of God is just a just fundamental to living a like fruitful life. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right because the trustworthiness of God, I think sometimes, particularly if you're in a... Um, <clears throat> 
let's just say like you're, you're in a season of stability in life or perceived stability in life. I think sometimes Christians will think about the trustworthiness of God as primarily, um, the, the sense of like, God hasn't, uh, what God has said is true. Uh, God doesn't lie. Um, but I don't know until you come to a season of the rocky shore where you begin to realize like, no, 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 to say that God is holy, to say that he is trustworthy, to say that he is good, isn't just a conceptual absolute for you. It's an anchor for your soul in trying times. And I think that a lot of times Christians will talk about the holiness of God as a it's a crucial concept that we need to have as a part of our right understanding. That's very true, but it's not just a crucial concept we need to have as a part of our right understanding. It's a crucial truth that actually anchors us in a sea of confusion and disorder. And I think your book does an excellent job. I was, you, you have this quote, which really stood out to me that I thought was really helpful. You said, this is, I don't know. It's like first quarter of the book. Holiness and goodness should never be determined by the whims, wishes, and standards of a created thing or even a whole culture, even when that culture's ideas are so easily influenced by the deceitful hearts within it, as well as its overall mutability, taking different shapes in conformity to its era. God defines God. And you say that a lot throughout the book. You talk about how God is the, God is the one who gets to define himself. God tells us who God is, mm-hmm. not what we want God to be or what, we, the, what the world wants God to be. And I think that is something that seems like a, it's a very simple thing to say, but it's a profound reality because most of our distrust comes from redefining mm-hmm. who God is in light of who he's clearly told us that he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I think one of, not even I think, one of the first temptations in the garden was the redefining of God and mm-hmm. thus the kind of distortion of his commands. And so it's like, did he really say? And then she like, mm-hmm. oh, he told me not touch it. So now God is super restrictive when he's been overly generous, mm-hmm. uh, but also <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's not as good as he revealed himself to be. So like it all kind of intertwines where it's like, if, if, mm-hmm. if the person of God is distorted, and the word of God, it, it might start with the word of God being distorted. Therefore, the person of God is distorted and or the person of God is distorted. Therefore, the word of God is distorted. And I think both of them put us in a position where we start to worship an idol and not the true God. And so I think it's in, important then to look to Jesus to tell us who God is and take his word for it and not our own assumptions or even the assumptions of the culture. Because like I said in the book, the culture is always changing its mind. All the time. Mm-hmm. And so their, their, their opinions just aren't trustworthy, especially knowing that they came after Adam. <laughs> so their reasoning <laughs> is diluted. I, I can't trust yeah. you. I'm sorry. Right. For sure. It's good. <laughs> what bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilia Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is seminary president Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold.
The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Well, I did want to ask if you were going to, if, if somebody was like, hey, I, I want to look at the holiness of God in scripture, now having written the book and spent a lot of time on the topic, where would you be like, oh, this is where you start. This is the first ingredient in that recipe is I would go to, is it a passage, is it a book that you felt like you just kept coming back to, back to again and again and again when you were reflecting on holiness and goodness and trustworthiness? I was definitely all over the place, but I think, <laughs> I think Genesis 1 is pretty necessary, you know, sure. Genesis, Genesis 1 and 2, um, seeing that, you know, you see the transcendence of God, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, meaning he's eternal. That's transcendence. Mm-hmm. Like, like he exists differently and independent from his creation. And then he makes man and gives them a moral law. You see his moral purity in that now. He's, he's commanding them to be like him in the way they live their lives, to obey, to be kind, to be faithful, to be all the things. Um, and so I think Genesis, you will find God's holiness there. Obviously, the most popular passage is Isaiah 6, which I think That's is right. awesome. But I also think Exodus 3 with, with the burning bush. I yep. think God giving the law on Mount Sinai. What is that? Exodus something. 20. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's all there. The the Uzzah and the thing in mm-hmm. 2 Samuel 6 when he dropped the ark. You see God's uh, holiness there. But you move to the New Testament is everywhere. Mm-hmm. God is in a boat telling these people, hey, cast your, your little thing over the boat. And they pull out some fish. And now for, all of a sudden they scared. Woe is me. Right. Who is this man in the boat with me? Mm-hmm. He just did a miracle mm-hmm. and it uh, like it awakened their minds to the reality that this mm-hmm. person is different. So yeah. it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't answer your question. Sorry. No, 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 no. But you gave a you gave a, a lot of good places to where someone could go and how holiness can, gets played out because there are times in which I feel like scripture tells both sides of holiness, right? And mm-hmm. you guys jump in here if I'm wrong, but sometimes like holiness oh, like startles people. Uh-huh. And then it sometimes it feels like it, it pulls them into Jesus, like sometimes or God, it, like sometimes it startles them where they're like, we got to get away from this. And there are other times where it feels like it draws them into them. Uh, even Sharnock, who you were talking about, it talks about holiness as God's beauty. Mm-hmm. He talks about uh, omnipotence as God's arm and eternity as God's duration and holiness as God's beauty. Mm-hmm. And it's like that it's beauty, but it's a it's a terrible beauty in the old use of terrible, not the mm-hmm. new use. I tend to think that a book like yours, Jackie, and I think the other writers who've written on holiness, they write it typically as a corrective. And I wonder if that was in your mind at all. Hmm. Um, I know that that was the emphasis that R.C. Sproul came in with. You know, it was like, what what three times attribute would would your church be characterized? You know, what do they repeat three times about themselves, about God? Is it loving, loving, loving? Is it um, gracious, gracious, gracious? And, um, and, and so... I don't know if that factored into your writing of the book, but I know that any time that I I talk about holiness, it's usually because I think we have more of a tendency to be like Peter in the boat or Isaiah in the throne room. We do want to run away from it because we mm. 
the first thing it makes us feel is the weight of our sinfulness. Hmm. And that's something that in the church today, I don't know that we always lean into um, mm-hmm. in our in our in our um, opening up of the scriptures. We want to we want to get them so quick. We think the gospel is the punchline of the gospel mm-hmm. rather than start. But as your book points out, the starting point is to recognize the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think um, it seems as if holiness is repulsive mm-hmm. or something that only gives you fear, but not even a righteous or rational fear. Kind of right. like the fear in the garden where it's like, oh, we're afraid of you. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. you need forgiveness. So you should have moved yeah. towards them. Right. Yeah. And right. I think one thing that really renewed my mind in thinking about God's holiness in terms of him just being a really good, beautiful God was when I looked at the law. And I asked myself, how would God be if he was different from what he commanded? Mm -hmm. So Hmm. if he commands them not to commit adultery, it's because he's a covenant keeping God. Mm -hmm. If he commands them not to bear witness, it's because he's an honest God. Mm -hmm. If he commands them not to steal, it's because he's a God that is generous. And so Mm -hmm. I just started to think through, wow, this makes you really awesome. So I should, <laughs> you know, what I'm like it, the, the, we look at the law like, ah, God is giving me all these like rules that he's going to judge me if I don't keep. But just like, what if we looked at the law as a picture of the beauty of God's holiness mm-hmm. instead of a reason why she, we should run from him? And that mm-hmm. just, I don't know, that's a game changer. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think both in our understanding of God and in our understanding of ourself and what he's calling us to, right? Because I, I, you, uh, I guess I'm going to ask it like this. Does God, okay, so God is holy. Does God want me to be holy? Does God want his people to be holy? Because I feel like Christians will be fine with you talking about God is holy. Huh. But the moment you start saying like, hey, God is holy. He wants you to be holy. Now the, the legalism flag gets flown. And it sounds like, well, now what you're talking about, I, I'm okay with God being holy. But if you're saying he also wants me to be holy, you're a legalist. Oh, wow. And you're telling me I got to follow a bunch of rules. You Have you got, like, do you encounter that when you teach on the holiness of God? Because every time I talk about holiness, somebody will be like, that sounds like legalism. Oh, what do you mean it sounds like legalism? <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Sure. What about the call to holiness? Do they hear, leg- like, what about it sounds like legalism? Well, I think part of it is that they've been inoculated to think that grace is freedom to live however they want, as opposed to grace is freedom to live with God. And that living with God means your life changes, you know? Yeah. So I think they've been inoculated against it. Um, I think they hear holiness as, you're telling me I need to strive for something, but grace is all gift. Huh. It's like, I was like, well, yeah, grace is all gift, but like holiness requires us. I mean, I think about uh, uh, Hebrews, strive for peace for, with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's a right. fearful thing to fall it into is. the hands of the living God. Exactly. That's exactly right. So I wonder if, as you've talked this out, do people recoil when you talk about God's holiness in the same way they recoil when you talk about their holiness? Not to me, but maybe in their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie's not actually taking questions when she's teaching this. She's just yeah, fair enough. Have it. I, don't, I don't know. I teach and then I go home. Well, I think I think maybe part of this too is like when you think about the storyline of the Bible. What for? I mean, this is I'm speaking for myself as a, a you know a student and a learner of Scripture, but also as a teacher of one. 
And I, I would imagine if we were talking about what books are you going to preach through, Leviticus would be one of the last books we would think about preaching through. Mm-hmm. But this is the book in the canon specifically of the Old Testament that is supposed to demonstrate for us the holiness of God and the mm-hmm. holiness of God's people. And so when we recoil, perhaps from either, I mean, it's it's not a systematic theology about God's holiness, but it is, I, I am set apart as God, therefore you should be set apart as my people. And that's why we don't know what to do with Leviticus as we see these oh. laws. We're like, how, what is, how does this relate to who I'm supposed to do, but but the the punchline of Leviticus is teased out in First Peter, in in First Thessalonians, in uh, in Hebrews. I mean, Jen, I mean, this is this is when you think about who shall ascend the mountain of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimately the question of Leviticus. That's right. Demonstrated also also in Exodus. Jesus is the one who ascends the mountain of the Lord and invites. He doesn't just take us up to the mountain with him. He invites us to come with him as a holy people who are a, a, a city set upon a hill. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I just was wondering, thinking how it would be hard to, I don't know. I guess it seems like if you just even read the New Testament, it's kind of a thing to obey. You know, like it's it's like book after book after book, but it, it doesn't give you, it's not like it tells you to obey apart from God's grace, apart from God's power, but it does say right, that sure. in response to the cross, this is how we live our lives, you know? So I don't know. I just think it's interesting because somebody has to be skipping uh, the Bible mm. to come to that. Conclusion. I remember reading a blog post a few years ago, which isn't saying much, uh, you know, we'll, we'll say whatever <laughs> we want on blog posts, but somebody said, you don't have to be holy because God is holy. Like that was the title of the post. And this is like a, like a, we would all, I'm not going to say who it was or where it was, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but like this is something we would all know. Like this is a, yeah. but it was somebody writing for a, 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 you know, kind of a evangelical industry that just basically said, God's holy, so don't worry about it, was basically the thing. And it's like the exact opposite is said in the Bible. Be telos as I am telos. Be mm-hmm. holy as I am holy. Mm-hmm. And it was this basic idea. And we've talked, we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast, like, we forget that justification, uh, that sanctification, that holiness, that a growth in Christ likeness is part of the gospel. That isn't sanctification, but it is fu- uh, that isn't justification, but is fueled by our justification. So we look back at what Christ has done for us, forward for what He's going to do for us in the future, and that propels us into a new life of following Jesus in holiness. I think people get confused between positional holiness and practical holiness. They think yeah, that, that's you know, they're like, I have positional holiness in Christ, so don't talk to me about practical holiness. Um, but every command in the scriptures, you know, and in the New Testament, they they take often take the form of one another's. That that's that's practical holiness. And um yeah. that's I think the thing that people recoil at because we've placed such an emphasis on the good news in our justification and we've forgotten to apply it to the good to apply the good news in our sanctification. Mm-hmm. I even had a I had a question this morning from someone um on social media saying, hey, have you written anywhere on sanctification? Because the idea that a book on the Ten Commandments would be about sanctification would not, and I'm not dogging on that person. I think it really, it's a common misconception. It's like obedience is sanctification. That's what it is. That's that's the path to holiness for the believer yeah. is, to, is to obey the moral law. Yep. But I do think it's a tough connection point for people because I think in, in, in attractional ministry settings, People are afraid that if they talk about the holiness of God, people will um, only feel the fear and trembling. They won't feel right yeah. reverence and awe. They'll only feel the fear and trembling. And as you're saying, Jackie, yeah. like it, the the discovery process is to learn. Oh my goodness, this touched me. Yeah. It, it touched every not just my my understanding. It touched my emotions. It touched my will. Yeah, um, and I and I don't and I don't think fear and trembling should be avoided. 
I think there is mm-hmm. a, hev- uh, a a healthy reverence that the church actually needs. Yes. Um, and so that's that's one thing I, I love about Isaiah six and even what happened with Peter in the boat is man, they realize God is not like me. He, right. he, he is pure. He is high and lifted up. He is unique. He is, he is different. Uh, even the burning bush, like take your shoes off because you mm-hmm. on holy ground, sir. You're not going to come mm-hmm. in my presence. Like, you know, you at Walmart. And so I just, I think <laughs> some of that is good, but I think there's a balance and that's probably the duty of the teacher to lay out both sides that don't right. allow your fear, an unhealthy fear of God to keep you from God, because that's not the whole point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is for you to come near. So, And I, I think we need a good guide to show us that it's safe to to worship the holiness of God as a believer. And that, and I think that's what your book does. I think it's an invitation to, to say, Hey, if you consider this, it will not consume you. Yeah. Um, it will consume you in a good way, but it will not consume yeah. you um, in, in, in judgment. And I love too. you did something different in your book from other books that I've read on, on the attributes or on holiness. You allowed for poetry in the way that you wrote it. Mm. And uh, I know that was a, had to have been a conscious decision yeah. and one that might have made some people say, this is not the book I thought it was. And you did it mm-hmm. anyway for the beauty of the language. So mm-hmm. I commend you. I commend you for Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's a part of who I am. You know, I was, a, yeah. I was a poet before I was a Bible teacher. Yeah. And so I can't, I can't not do both. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. just, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. It is I mean, a good I think, thing. I think we need... And I, I think I've even heard you say this, like, we need people who are expressing old ideas mm. for new ears. We yeah. talk about that a lot on the show. And I think mm-hmm. you have a, a particular way of doing that, that is needed in the church, that we should be combining artistry with our communication. It shouldn't just be simply um, the transmission of an idea. It should be an idea that's so beautiful that mm-hmm. it sticks in my brain and I can't set it aside. And so. And that's a big part. Cause you know, I kind of feel like, like I had to speak in front of like these uh, public publisher people a couple years ago and they wanted me to talk for 15 minutes on whatever I want to talk about. And I wrote a, a thing about how y'all are publishing bad books. Because, and I, <laughs> Tell them, Jackie. <laughs> no, I, I, I think the bad book writing is one reason why people are not finishing books. So mm-hmm. your content mm. might be great might be super theological, you know, bring them to God, but they're bored by page 27. And so it's just like, we can't think that the content is the thing that's just going to keep people's attention. And so, especially when you're talking about God, at least make it interesting. Somebody sent me a book, a chapter to read from a book that they're writing, and it's actually pretty well written, but I I said, hey, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Um, The number of footnotes in your chapter is inversely proportional to the number of people who are going to finish your chapter. So it's like, you don't... You have to out me right here. You're so consumed. No, it wasn't. This time it wasn't. Um, No, but I mean, it's like, I do think some of the breakdown is between academic writing and lay Mm -hmm. level writing. And that most Mm -hmm. academic, or most people who would naturally write at the lay level feel embarrassed that that's the level they would enter the conversation. So they sometimes throw their voice, you know, by, um, by citing people who are smarter than them, um, or by, you know, just excessive footnoting to prove that, that what they're saying is actually valid. And if you know it's a valid idea, then find 
I would argue, as few beautiful words as possible to say it. Mm. And and don't worry. I mean, obviously worry about attribution if you're directly quoting from someone or ripping off someone else's idea. But other than that, if it's an idea that we can all acknowledge is true, good, and beautiful, just give it to the people. Amen. Mm. Teach that. Mm -hmm. Let me come to your meeting. Who were you talking to, Jackie? I'll I'll get them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) <laughs> how is the how is the content of the book shaped the way you teach the Bible? Yeah. Jackie? I mean, like, how is it? I mean, we've talked a little bit about the writing style and how your writing style was kind of shaping and forming the concepts, like your articulation of them. How is the concept shaped the way that you're teaching the Bible? Like, I mean, you're teaching all the time. How has writing this book and the content of this book changed the way you teach, changed the way you prepare? I mean, yeah. how does it factor into the overall teaching? I think two distinct ways. I think because I was studying for this book for maybe two years, mm-hmm. it gave me a lot of, like, I I read the Bible really widely. And so that's just made me a better teacher because I see all of mm-hmm. these connections now mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have otherwise saw, where it's like, oh, this connects to Ephesians and this connects to that. And so I, I'm able to kind of, like, show that the Bible is one big cohesive situation. Um, I think the other thing is, again, it's given me a really biblical and solid framework for the nature of God, which Mm -hmm. is at the root of all Bible passages. Mm -hmm. And so I'm Mm -hmm. always it doesn't mean that I'm always drawing out the holiness of God, but I do always need to point to the nature of God. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's I don't know, John 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Who is God? Mm-hmm. We have to we have to teach that to even get yep. to the rest of the thing. So I, I I think it's those. It's I know more Bible, so I teach better, but I also know more of God, so I'm able to explain him better. So this book was your first book was autobiographical. Mm-hmm. And this book was it was different. This was something that was uh, theological way at harder. the outset. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is like, what, yeah. um, how did that feel uh, to change, change directions on, on your writing? Yeah. It was harder, but it was more gratifying because I, I, I like to teach the Bible. That's kind of mm-hmm. my thing. And so <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy. I have noticed. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed the test. So I think the memoir was sweet because I was able to, you know, talk about my story with lesbianism mm-hmm. and sexual abuse mm-hmm. and fatherlessness and point to Jesus and his mm-hmm. triumph over and through that, which was beautiful and good. But it also didn't take much work because I'm only communicating right. what I already have already lived, already have already, mm-hmm. what I've already lived versus with this. I had to study mm-hmm. a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I had to like synthesize my ideas and and make sense of stuff. So I just felt I should have called you. I just felt all over the place <laughs> for a solid year. <laughs> you know, I just got notes <laughs> everywhere, and I'm like, Lord, you got to make this make sense, or the saints are going to be confused. But it was fun. It, it really yeah. was fun. Did it make you want to do that again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually want to do a Bible study on Leviticus. Okay, I, I want that to happen. Yeah, not now, not with the newborn, but Uh eventually. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, why are you so lazy, Jackie? Write the the Bible study. Uh -uh. (laughs) Just kidding. That will take some years to do that one. I have to tell you, every time I see pictures that you post with all four kids, I think, that girl needs help. And then I think, oh, shoot, that girl was me. <laughs> so I just, I just I start having flashbacks like PTSD. So, yeah. uh, but you know, you can do it. You can do it. My mother lives with me. Yeah. So 
That's a that's a major thing. And I, I actually God. told Preston about you and about y'all babies, and it encouraged them. Because it was like, we can do this. Like, they do grow you up. You don't really have an alternative, so. Yeah, they, they grow up, honestly. Yeah, they do. They do. Fast, man, fast. Um, I, well, you just mentioned Preston. I got to tell you, this is totally unrelated. But you guys did an episode for 30 Minutes with the Perrys where you did story time with Preston. Oh, yeah. And the stories he told, Jackie, were wild. I mean, I was, I was like, I was laughing. I was like, I, I could listen if, if you guys just did a whole podcast and it was just like, like, not no one episode. I'm talking like the whole podcast, lots of episodes with him telling. So he's an incredible storyteller. That's our number one podcast. Is it? I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, I mean, I, I've accounted for a few of those downloads for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, that's, and that's high praise coming from Kyle because Kyle's oh, stories can Kyle's actually be told in a public forum, but he is a wonderful <laughs> storyteller. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have last cried myself sick listening to Kyle. So yes. I'm going to have to yeah. download that episode. What, what, once Preston and I both get canceled, we should then start a podcast <laughs> and we'll just, we'll tell all those stories because it'll already be too late. We'll both yeah. already be canceled. Yeah, we're, so. we're, we're going to do a part two because he has so he just he lives such a rough life <laughs> he, he makes the stuff sound so funny it's just like you know with the story where they because one of the stories i'll share it is that him and some friends have been spying out this guy's house they used to break into houses steal guns and sell the guns on the street and so the guy they figured he was in the military so they were going to get the guns long story short middle of the night they break in the house to get the guns and the guy is in his bedroom laying on his back with headphones with his face toward the ceiling with an AK-47 on the side of his body. Just laying there oh like, like, like major pain. As one does. <laughs> they had to figure out a way to escape before he basically blew a hole in their back. Yeah, but you're like, this is, ho- this is holy ground. I'm getting out. <laughs> I'm but, the, but the way he tells it. He, he, the way he tells that story, I mean, that and the story about the guy who, uh, the deliverance thing at the church. The demon-possessed guy, yeah. Who started oh turning goodness. into a snake. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I, I was crying to pull over. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. Anyways, please, please, please tell him thank you for bearing witness uh, because that has greatly encouraged me. Um, all right, listen, let's, let's end with this. If you could hey, can, give, I, can I ask one question real quick? No. I'm asking it. I'm not asking any questions yet. And Jackie, I feel like for for an author, this is probably, I feel like this is both a great question to ask and it can be hard because you've got a published work out there. But if if you were rewriting the book today, you've kept learning about God, you've kept teaching the Bible, you've kept learning about God's holiness and even just experiencing his holiness in your life. Hmm. Is there anything, not that you would change, but maybe that you would add or that you would maybe... Like if, you know, you, every author, you, know, you finish the book and you think to yourself, as soon as it's on paper, you're like, dang it, I wish I could. Yeah. Has there been anything that's come to you about God's holiness to you since then? I actually would have spent more time establishing what sanctification is and how to practically, practically pursue that in light of who God has revealed himself to be and what God has accomplished on the cross. Because I haven't said this publicly, I wasn't able to because I hit my deadline. <laughs> I gave <laughs> Yeah, what I had. When it's like, I get it. I could have. I could have had another five, ten thousand words just on sanctification. JT, what's your quote? 
the best so book? When I was writing, yeah, when I was writing my dissertation, my dissertation supervisor said the best dissertation is the one that's finished. Just turn it in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, Jen, are you telling me that about about another project I have going on right now? Uh, like, no. Uh, JT will literally he'll text me that on the day I turn in a manuscript. He'll say the best manuscript yeah. is the one that's done. <laughs> yeah, just finish it. Just get it done. Yeah, I felt guilty. I was like, there's so much more to say, but there'll always be so much more to yeah. say. Yeah. Well, I actually felt like you had a great line on sanctification that I've used in preaching. Um, and I think it's a good way to maybe whet the listener's appetite for if you weren't convinced to go get this book. I think this is indicative of the kind of moves that Jackie makes in the book that are helpful. Um, this is towards the very end. We will want and choose to put to death what is earthly in us when we believe God is infinitely better than everything we are tempted to leave him for. That's so good. Mm. That's it? That is a great way of connecting the holiness of God to our holiness and obedience. And uh, anyways, listen, Jackie, last question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, you do a lot of conference talks. If you were to give one conference message and all Christians in the country are coming, they're all there. <laughs> And I'm not talking about like all the people who call themselves Christian. I'm talking about like these are the all all the Christians are there. What's your main point? What's your text? You don't even have to give me your main point. What's your text? American Christians. Oh, that's Ooh, a good I question. I like this answer uh, already. All Christians in this country. Yes, all the all American Christians. Oh man, put my words together. If the Holy Spirit doesn't lead me otherwise, it would probably be Second Samuel six with Uzzah. Mm-hmm. And connecting that maybe to Matthew when Jesus says, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't I do X, Y, and Z in your name? And he'll say, I never knew you. And both emphasis that I think the main thrust would be that there is the possibility that your version of holiness is actually unfaithfulness and God will judge you for it. And so we need to get back to the word <laughs> Take our cultural blinders and biases off. Read the text for what it is, for what God has revealed himself to be, and obey that. Because somebody like Uzza reaching out to grab this ark looks good, looks like faithfulness. But he was actually breaking God's law and was therefore put to death because of it. And so I just don't want American Christians in particular to think that their brand of Christianity is actually Christianity if it's taken a departure from the biblical basis of what the Christian faith is. That would probably it would be a real strong rebuke. So I that's what it sounds like. Be uh, super funny. Conference, yeah. yeah. Conference <laughs> organizers, you heard it. Let's get it going. All right. Uh, JT happen. and Kyle are like, this is why Jen likes to share a platform with Jackie. <laughs> 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 I'd be like, whatever I say, Jackie's gonna punch him even harder. So <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> right. But you rebuke people with a smile and then you follow up with a <laughs> What? Hey, t- hey, don't say that on the on the podcast. People will catch on. <laughs> I'll just say like, oh, that joke was timely. I get it. <laughs> hey, Jackie, thank you for joining us. Honestly, it's been yeah, a joy yeah. to have you. Thank you, guys. Uh, listen, go find Jackie Hill Perry's books. Uh, go check out Holier Than Now, which is recently released. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter. Go check out 30 Minutes with the Perrys. Listen to that episode because it's a barn burner. Uh, you can find Knowing Faith on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're looking at online. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Grace and peace. <laughs>